Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming, action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. Let's start my third year of this show with some bad news. Yet another streamer is pushing viewers toward ad-supported subscriptions. Starting January 29th, Amazon will start showing ads on its videos. They said there will be, quote, meaningfully fewer ads than linear TV and other streamers, unquote. The service is currently $9 a month, which is included in Amazon Prime. For an additional $2.99 a month, you can skip the ads. And I can guarantee I'll be doing that. And then I call my phone at the office and somebody else answers. So I call the producer back. I just called the office. There's somebody else there. And they said, yes. And I said, am I fired? And they said, yes. <laughs> so they made me fire myself. That's today's guest, Robert Kinsey, talking about finding out how he lost his job for an L.A. producer the hard way. Robert worked in Hollywood for a while before heading back to Fredericksburg, where he continues to write and produce while starting the Northern Virginia Motion Picture Co-op, which actually spans D.C. to Richmond to Charlottesville and beyond. He'll fill us in on the details. Sifter Review of the Week Bookie on Max Chuck Lorre has been called the king of sitcoms, but I couldn't get through even one episode of his biggest hits, Two and a Half Men or The Big Bang Theory. Apparently, when he got to go beyond the strictures of broadcast, his work is more intelligent, impolite, and funny. Another example is The Kaminsky Method. That's true with this series, which is built around comic Sebastian Maniscalco, who has the titular role along with his partner in crime, literally, played by Omar J. Dorsey. They travel around L.A. trying to collect their bets while dealing with complications in their personal lives. The entire cast handles the comedy well, including a surprise cameo from Laurie's past work. Add some genuinely funny writing, and the result is a slightly raunchy, expletive-laden comedy that's quick fun. Only eight 30-minute episodes. I gave Bookie four out of five stars. So, Rob Kinsey, welcome to Sifter for the Year. Thank you so much. I read in your bio you stated you were a mercenary production staffer in Hollywood in the 90s. I love that phrase, mercenary production staffer. What exactly does that mean? Uh, that means I couldn't hold down a job. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a very interesting time in uh, the 90s. I uh, graduated from Cal State University Fullerton uh, in Orange County. And uh, for whatever reason, probably mostly because I was at the time like I was really focused on wanting to direct and produce my own stuff. You worked for some pretty interesting people. Uh, Newfield Rem and is it Rame Rem? It's uh, Ramey. Uh, Bob Ramey and Mace Newfeld. I was very lucky right after graduation. I got a job on the Paramount Lots. Uh, and Bob uh, Ramey, he was the president of the Academy at that time. Mace Newfeld, the director. Footnote. The Academy is the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, mostly known for the Oscars. And Mace Newfeld most recently was producer of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan on Amazon and the Equalizer films. The films that they produced when I was working there were Clear and Present Danger with Harrison Ford and Beverly Hills Cop 3 with Eddie Murphy. And I was working in the development department. And what do you mean? Because I know for development, if you hear that from a nonprofit, they're talking about raising money. Does development mean something different when you're in the showbiz? Oh, yeah, it's a big difference. You know, the job was to like find first find properties and second, see who you could attach to them to turn into a, to turn into a project. And it was a very interesting kind of experience to see what I perceived at the time as this sort of endless parade of middle-aged men in shabby suits 
So he takes it out and he takes endless meetings with development executives all over Hollywood. He goes to you know, the guys at production companies, he goes to agencies, he goes to directors, he goes to producers, until eventually he has basically had a pitch meeting with just about everybody in Hollywood. And what happens is, over the course of doing that, is that that generates a kind of a buzz or heat across town. And so you get to a point where people have heard of this project because this guy has gone around and told everybody about it. Right, right. And then eventually the actual producer who does the green lighting, who makes the decisions, is having his hair cut. And his barber mentions to him, hey, have you heard about this book that everybody's talking ah, about? Right, and right. then he'll call up his development executive and say to the development executive, hey, what's the story on this book? And then his development executive is like, oh, yeah, I took a meeting with that guy. I'll bring him in. And right. then the producer like makes the decision to do that. Well, was your duty just to kind of sit in the meetings and take notes? Or, I mean, you didn't just get coffee and stuff like that, did you? Uh, I mostly got coffee and I wrote a lot of uh, rejection letters. Oh, okay, <laughs> Not really right, rejection right. letters, but like, you know. Uh, like then we, ha I had a pile of scripts on the floor that was like, you know, about the size of a table and like three feet deep that I was constantly churning through sending these things back to people. This is in the days before people were using computers to track meetings and things. So like I was doing a lot of this by, you know, pen and paper and, and by hand, you know, I had a word processor, but it wasn't really worth much right, right, at the right. time. Constantly organizing phone calls because Nick had a phone list, like he would get like 80 or 100 phone calls over the course of the day that he would have to return over the course of, you know, like several days. And of course, right. you know, just like it kept rolling on and you rolling on. roll calls. On. That's what they used to call it. Yeah, exactly. Still do. Yeah, yeah. And while that was going on, I was at the same time that I'm doing that, I'm trying to sort of, uh, I was writing scripts and I was trying to, you know, get a little buzz for my own things that were going on. And in fact, that's where I made my first film while I was uh, working for uh, Nick at Paramount. It was a short film called Subtle Poisons. It, uh, it won an award, actually. That film was edited after hours in the Paramount uh, post-production services. <laughs> uh, Great. There you go. Yeah. So I put a couple hundred extra hours on some of those machines <laughs> over the course of a month. I had been up. I was like one of these things. I'm working at Paramount. I'm working for, for Nick like all day long. And I would go get dinner across the street and then come back and sneak into the edit bay after everybody else has gone spend the whole night in there until like four or five in the morning, you know, like right. go home and catch an hour of sleep or something, come back to the office. And that, you know, like the film got edited, but like my job performance suffered quite a bit. I'm sure. <laughs> so let me ask you this about it. working at Paramount. You, you see the classic in every movie where they drive through the big Paramount studio. Oh yeah. Everybody go in that entrance. Is there a back entrance that come people come in who are everyday oh, yeah. people or is it all through that one big gate? There's the old Paramount gate which right. is the one that you see in uh, Sunset Boulevard where Norman Desmond drives through out of the right. Paramount lot. And that was still there, but that was, you know, it was within the lot at the time. The lot had expanded outside of it. Uh -huh. And then there was the main gate in the 90s, which has a huge double gate out at the front, which I think is mostly what people still use. And then there, the sort of like employee parking lot was around the side. And so you could drive in through that. Before we leave L.A., there was a woman producer that you worked for for a while. And you asked me not to say her name because you had some pretty interesting stories about that experience. Oh, yeah. I don't th I don't really I don't know if I want to name names on this. So she had a production company and the job I got was working out of her house in the Hollywood Hills. I would come to work every day. I would come up and I would come into this office. And my job at the time was to be her development person. Uh, she had an idea for a project that at the time seemed like an interesting idea. So the producer asked me to put together a PowerPoint presentation. And the day of the meeting, I had been up all night the night before, 
finishing, like the finishing touches on it. I came to the office. I'm just wearing jeans and a button-down white shirt, right? And the producer says to me, are we going in separate cars or are you coming with me? Oh. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so uh -huh. I get in their car. We drive across Hollywood. We go to Century City, go into this lawyer's office. Everybody is wearing thousand-plus-dollar suits. And I'm looking around, and I'm wearing my jeans and a shirt that I'm sweating bullets through. All I did, I, like, I buttoned up my button-down shirt. And the producer looks at me, and I'm like, okay. And I open up their computer for them. I turn it on for them. I double-click the icon. The presentation plays. Then the guys across the table, they look at the producer, and they start asking questions. And then the producer says, word salad means absolutely nothing to anybody. And then everybody on the other table, like, turns from the producer and looks directly at me. Uh -huh. and they're like, ah, this must be the tech guy. <laughs> yeah. And then I have to translate. And that was the whole meeting. Oh. And that went on for an hour. I felt so bad throughout that whole meeting. And I remember when we got back from that meeting, I immediately started looking for another job. So while I was looking for another job, you know, word got out, got back to the producer. People want to know where you're working. It's on the resume. So one day I'm getting ready to go to work. And I get a call from the producer saying, hey, you don't have to come in today. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, something going on and you know, and uh, are you, are you getting the, like the stairs that went up to the office were rotting away? Are you getting the stairs finally fixed? That was something we had talked about before. And the producer was like, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't have to come in today. You don't have to come in today. I was like, okay. Went through my day fine. Second day, I was getting ready to go to work. I get the same phone call. You don't have to come in today. And I'm like, okay, they're not done with the stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to come in today. I'm like, okay. Third day. I get the same phone call as oh, I'm getting wow. ready to go to work in the morning. You don't have it to come in today. Knowing this producer, I'm like, I'm starting to get suspicious. And I'm like, okay. And then I call my phone at the office and somebody else answers. Oh, wow. And I'm like, hey, who are you? What's going on? And they don't know who I am. <laughs> right, right. So I call the producer back and I say, hey, I just called the office. There's somebody else there. And they said, yes. And I said, am I fired? And they said, yes. <laughs> okay, wow. So they made me fire myself. That's crazy. That's wild. That's Hollywood, baby. Before we bring you back to Virginia, I want to talk mm -hmm. about how you got back here, but somebody from Virginia wanted to say hello to you. Surprise guest drop-in. It's Robin Farmer. Oh, hey, Robin. It is. Hey, Robert. <laughs> Footnote, Robin Farmer is the co-chair of the Virginia Screenwriters Forum. We were talking about his life in L.A., and we hadn't gotten to Virginia yet, but obviously you're in Virginia, so how do you know Robert? I got the pleasure of meeting Robert at the Virginia Screenwriters Forum's second annual short film showcase, which was held at the Ashland Theater. Robert approached me and said, hey, let's, let's work on a partnership for the showcase for next year. And so that's what we're doing. Earlier this month, Robert and three other producers came and we had 10 of our members pitch their screenplays to the four producers. So what happens next after they pitch them? I committed to taking at least one of these projects to make it to production in 2024. I pulled three projects out of those pitches that all sounded like really good ideas to me. I'm working with one of the writers on those three now uh, on a rewrite. And these are all for short films. So by the time the 24, 2024 run rolls around, we'll have this project ready for that, uh, for that showcase. Uh -huh. And that'll be a cool opportunity for one of their writers to see what the process is like working with the producer, you know, getting notes and having to do revisions. 
and doing that development work. We're back to development again, doing that development work to right. develop the project into something that's going to be on the screen. It's a very exciting partnership for VSF because we are increasingly encouraging our screenwriters to produce their work or direct their work. Right. So Robert came along at the at the perfect time. You said VSW and Virginia Screenwriters Forum. Uh, Robin, you want to just give us a little short, what is that? I'm happy to say that we will be celebrating our 35th anniversary this year. Wow. We are small. We are mighty. We are currently at capacity. It's about 27 members. And we have new screenwriters, emerging screenwriters, and veteran writers. And our goal is to really elevate that first act because we all know that within the first five or 10 minutes, you know whether or not you want to continue watching that show, right? Sure, yeah. Everything rests on that first act. And so while that is the mission of VSF, we have been trying to elevate that and also encourage people to also produce their work. So it's evolving. And so what what has at this point so far, and you're, of course you're still in the process, what has Rob brought to this? A great deal of excitement because for the first time we had 10 members pitch, but for most of them, it was the first time they've ever pitched in their life. Wow. And so, you know, it's bringing education along with the inspiration. And so that's what we're really excited about. I want to thank you for dropping in. I know he wasn't expected. I want to appreciate you so much, Robin. And I want to talk to you at some point more about the Screenwriters Forum. We will. And Happy New Year, guys. Thank you very Happy much. That was cool. Well, thank you. Let's get you back to Virginia. How did you get here? What made you finally decide, okay, I'm out? My wife and I, uh, we had gotten married a couple of years before. We were getting to the point where we wanted to settle down and have kids. We wanted to go someplace where we could afford a house. We, I just remember we had this experience where we were looking at houses, and this was like the third or fourth time where we had driven up to the place, looked at the house and said, oh, the house... You know, that house doesn't look so bad. And we realized, oh, wait, it's not that house. It's the other house that was built in the backyard oh, of wow. this house. <laughs> you oh, know, because the density is very, very high out right, there. Right. And as we were parked across the street, an older lady in a very, very large car pulled out of her driveway and backed all the way across the cul-de-sac and into my car in the oh, like, great. like nobody around us, right? And at that like at that moment, my brain said, it's time to get out of here. <laughs> it's time to leave. And I had an opportunity to come out here and, and uh, do marketing work, basically, for a, a small firm in Virginia. Where exactly? Uh, this is Fredericksburg, Virginia. Fredericksburg. So okay. Is, okay. Yeah. So I'm based out of Fredericksburg. Yeah. I did some other things. I've published uh, a series of graphic novels with a, an artist that I know in Poland uh, called Dire Destiny. That's kind of where my current sort of like production company comes out of is that we started it started as a publishing company. It's called Dire Destiny Books. But at some point, I had this idea for a crazy project that I was going to try and uh, maybe I can like get another film project off the ground. And I was working on something that at the time we called Legend of the Firebird, which is basically kind of a sword and sorcery high adventure adaptation of uh, Igor Stravinsky's Firebird Ballet. Uh, that sort of became the foundation for establishing relationships with a lot of people who are doing local production here. We have actually a, quite a large theater community in Fredericksburg, believe it or not. And I've, I've become very good friends with a number of people in several of those theater groups. And also I've connected with a number of guys who are doing work like at Quantico or around who are doing like corporate, industrial, military type right. video, sure. but who want to do narrative filmmaking. And so I'm the guy who has the experience with narrative filmmaking. So like, Rob, you know, Let's do something. Um, we did four or five other short films over the next the course of the next few years. 
what at the time, like originally it was just like a bunch of guys who were just helping each other out. And I was like, well, let's make this into a thing. Let's make it something a little bit more productive and a little bit more structured. Uh, and uh, it's called the Northern Virginia Motion Picture Co-op or Nova Motion Pictures. And it's not really just Northern Virginia because our area of operation is very loosely defined as sort of like D.C., Richmond, Fredericksburg, Charlottesville. And by 2018, I was starting to run regular monthly seminars. And I wanted to make sure that like as the co-op went forward, this is not just a vehicle for me to be producing my own stuff. I want this to actually be a co-op of having more people come in. And it's not really a production entity so much more as a resource entity. And we had even set a board of directors and we had started the process of uh, becoming a 501c3 at the apex of all of this interest. 2020 happened. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. 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 And then at the beginning of this year, at the beginning of 2023, a couple of guys from the co-op got back in touch with me and they were like, you know, Rob, hey, what are we going to do? So I like John Wick. I figure I'm back now. Right. 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 This is my development background coming back into things. Right. Right, right. How do we like come up with a project here? So I'm there with three other guys like, well, what can we do that's not too, not too big, right? That's, that is easy for us to do that we can do over a period of time that we can slowly bring people back into this, right? So, well, what, what resources do we have? What do we got that we can shoot? Well, we got beautiful forest parks around here. I love shooting in the forest around Fredericksburg. Right. So what are we going to shoot in the forest? Everybody likes a pretty girl. We'll put a pretty girl in the forest. I was thinking about that and I had the idea, wait a minute, wait a minute. We want to do this over the course of a long time. So let's make it four seasons. So we ran a GoFundMe for that over the summer. We raised over $8,000. Great. Uh, we shot uh, spring and summer in July. We shot autumn in October. And currently I'm waiting on some snow in Western Maryland for us to shoot winter. So Now, most of the people on these co-op projects work for free? There's a lot of free labor that's been put into it or like labor at cost. After working in Hollywood for 10 years, like I know what it's like to have a lot of people asking you to do work for free, you know, on various projects and whatnot. So I don't like to ask people to work for free if I can help it, especially actors, because it's real important. First of all, you get what you pay for and you want to make sure that the actors show up. Sure. And of course, you got to pay to feed your cast and crew, especially if you're going to have somebody come out and work for a full day so that, you know, it, it makes the people feel like they're working on something professional. B, they're not wandering off to go eat or drink. Right, um, right, sure. You know, and I tell people on any production with a budget of less than five or $10,000, your largest line item in the budget should probably be for catering. Yeah, yeah. keep everybody, keep the stomachs happy. Keep the stomachs so, happy, keep everybody fed. And if you feed people well, they will come back and work for you again. There you go. So I, I know one of the others that I saw online was called To Whom It May Concern. And I have to just say first, it was interesting because anytime in a movie, I see a, a real phone number, you know, of course the typical is 555, you know, it's not real. And right. there was a real phone number. And I, of course, wrote it down and called it and it does what it says in the film. Sometimes you call them and there's a promotional thing for the movie or whatever, but that was right. interesting. It was for real. You shot that in three parts. Why not just make one longest, I mean, it was still three short parts, so it wasn't over maybe 40 minutes total. Why did you make it in three parts instead of doing it all in one chunk? Uh, so first of all, like whenever we've screened it, um, we screen the whole thing at once. Obviously. Okay, good, um, good. There's an interesting story behind the script. So this script is actually sort of, it's a it's a script about people playing around with time travel. And believe it or not, it is based on a true story. <laughs> oh, okay. The first 10 minutes of that film are very, very close to to something that happened in real life where, you know, it was uh, late. I was out with some friends and uh, we'd been out. We'd been up playing Monopoly, uh, just hanging out on a weekend. And we were talking about time travel and things like that. And uh, 
So my friend and I get to, well, let's write a letter to the future and we'll promise to keep this letter safe. And if, you know, and we wrote the letter. So, okay, if time travel is possible, come back to this day at this time, knock on the door three times, we'll open it up and, you know, and we'll do that. And we did the thing. We sat around the table and he actually, he put the speaking clock on and we listened to the countdown to midnight uh, for waiting for the knock to come. And he actually did put his hand under the table and knock on the table <laughs> to freak everybody out. And that letter is actually still in a safe in Los Angeles. Oh, really? <laughs> so, huh. Yes. And shortly after that, this was also at the time when um, The Outer Limits was being rebooted right. on the Sci-Fi Channel, I think. Submitted to The Outer Limits. They passed on it at the time because it, they were looking for more like gooey monster stuff. And this was right. more cerebral. So the script went into a drawer for 20 years. And uh, I was looking for something to do with the with the co-op, and I pulled that out again and rewrote it. That was a great shoot. We shot 40 pages of script in two and a half days. I'm incredibly wow. proud of everybody who wow. worked on that. So you still didn't that, tell me why you did why you released it in three parts. Oh, um, yeah. So when it was the original script is a television script, so it's got commercial breaks in it. So the when I rewrote it, I kept the commercial breaks in because I figured it would go up on YouTube on our, our YouTube channel. And instead of putting the whole thing on as one thing, we'd put it in three chunks so that people are on YouTube. Also, that would, you know, translate into more views on the YouTube channel if people watch the whole thing all the way through, ah, which good not a lot of people have actually like that. The, if you look at the numbers for the views for all three parts is most of them are in the first part and, and uh, you know, less and less right, right, for the second right. and the third part. You did mention earlier that you're down, you work all the way down here in Richmond and Charlottesville and Fredericksburg and up in Northern Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll have it on the web page. If you just want to mention real quickly how people can uh, get in touch if they want to come to a seminar or to get involved. Now, we haven't started doing new seminars again, but um, if anybody wants to get involved, the best way to get a hold of me is info at novamotionpictures.com. We also have a Facebook, a public Facebook page that you can check out for stuff that we're doing. And there's our YouTube channel as well. We haven't got a very good web presence developed yet because I've been trying to make sure that what we're doing involves real people who are doing real work here in this actual region. And it's right. not like, because I know when you put stuff online, sometimes you get a lot of people coming in from like Pennsylvania or New York or right, Florida right, or whatever, right. who are like, you know, they, they want to like, you know, just join the group to just see what's going on. Right. And that's not what we're looking for. But if you're in, you know, in this area, like Northeastern right. Virginia uh, type area, and, you know, you can be around to help out and you've got projects going on, we definitely want to hear from you. Part of our mission is education, so I'm always happy to talk to people who are just starting out on their journey. I'm happy to offer advice and 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 whatever I can. I want to connect people with one another who are who need things to complete short productions. Basically, we want to build this network into something that's useful and usable. For people. And one question I always like to ask everybody: last thing is, when you're not working on the motion picture co-op, what are you watching? It's actually split. So, like, I watch a lot of old movies. And I watch a lot of new media as well. I'm fascinated with the sort of documentary video essay format on uh, places like Nebula uh, and uh, that you see on YouTube as well. The deep dives that some people go to, there's a guy named Dan Olson who does these really deep dives into media literacy and, and, and subjects related to media. And like one of his, he got really famous this last year. He did a really big takedown of NFTs and cryptocurrency. It's just fascinating, especially the way he puts it together. He did a, a previous one too called In Search of a Flat Earth, where he, he talks about like the flat earth movement. And he actually 
does a video experiment where he goes out to a flat lake and he does this thing with the camera where he you can physically see the curvature of the earth and it was just like an absolutely brilliant piece of filmmaking i thought and so as much as i love narrative filmmaking like these people who are doing like these sort of independent documentary things i'm i'm really fascinated by well i'm not familiar with that nebula i'll have to try to find that and maybe include a link on the webpage Rob, I want to thank you so much. It's been fascinating to learn more about the uh, Northern Virginia Motion Picture Co-op or Nova Motion Pictures. Keep us posted on what's going on and good luck on getting that snow done. Waiting on the weather right now. So thank you so much, Jerry. Appreciate you having me on. That was Robert Kinsey, who worked in Hollywood for a while before heading back to Fredericksburg, where he continues to write and produce while running the Northern Virginia Motion Picture Co-op, which actually expands from D.C. to Richmond to Charlottesville and beyond. I'll have links to the co-op and more things he discussed on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon in theaters. American fiction. In this satire, Jeffrey Wright stars as a writer who pens a book that embraces black stereotypes, and it becomes a bestseller. Night Swim. A new family moves into a house with a pool that's deadly, starring Carrie Condon and Wyatt Russell. Weak Layers. This comedy revolves around three women who decide to make a ski movie. TV and streaming. The 81st Golden Globe Awards will air January 7th on CBS and Paramount+. The Brother's Son, which dropped on Netflix yesterday, stars Michelle Yeoh, whose crime boss hubby is shot and her gangster son arrives in L.A. to protect them. Echo on Disney. A deaf Choctaw woman returns to her native Oklahoma to escape her association with a mafia kingpin. From Marvel criminal record on Apple. Two detectives are in conflict over an historic murder conviction, starring Kush Jumbo and Peter Capaldi. Grimsburg on Fox. He seems to be everywhere right now. John Hamm is the voice of a detective who returns home to reconnect with his family and friends in this animation. Ted on Peacock. This is a prequel to the 2012 film, and the titular teddy bear is helping his 16-year-old owner. That's it for this week. Hope you have a great new year. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.